Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. We are so excited uh, for y'all to be here. We're going to continue our series in the, um, in the letter of 1 John. Um, if you have your Bibles, please turn there. Um, if you don't bring your Bible to Crossover, I would ask you to bring it. Uh, because first, it's the holy thing to do. Uh, second, uh, I think it's powerful for other students to see hundreds of students walking across this campus holding the Word of God and being able to be like, oh, this is different, right? I think it could be really good for people who don't believe in Jesus to see uh, people bring their Bible and be suspicious of like, what's up with that? Hey, what, like, why do y'all carry your Bible? And it could be uh, a conversation piece. Or it could be someone who has fallen back. Anybody fallen back before? All right. Someone could have been fallen back and see, man, 10 people carrying their Bible to somewhere. And it could be the very thing that they needed to see uh, to get their walk back with Jesus. Uh, just even the little things, right, can be impactful. So uh, with, it, with that, if you have your Bibles, or you can look at our giant screen back here, uh, let's read First John chapter 2. Here we go. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you might not sin. Thank you, John. But if anyone does sin, which is going to happen, we have an advocate with our Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. Now listen, students, this is what John is trying to say here. Is that, that he is speaking to believers and he is saying, listen, if you are a believer in Jesus and you have trusted that he has saved you from sin, then listen, then he is also, when you do sin, which I hope you don't, Jesus is the propitiation. He is the person that takes the place. He's the advocate that we have that, that when God looks at us, he doesn't see the sin in our life. He sees his son in his life, in our life. And John is like, listen, I, I, I pray that you might not sin, but, but when you do, it's going to happen. Know that Jesus is the person that God sees but he's not only the propitiation for our sins, but also the sins of the whole world. Like, understand the magnitude of what John is trying to say here is that Jesus is holy enough, righteous enough, and powerful enough to have to have saved the whole world. He has bled enough and done enough for us that he died for the entirety of the world, not just some of the world. And if we have the choice, if we want to step into that light, if we want to be able to take that free gift or not, it is there. He didn't just die for some of the world. He died for the whole world to have the ability to be saved. It is your choice if you want to take it or not. But he's saying, I know that you have. Verse 3. Listen, students. Verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know them, know him, if we 
keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. Father, we come to you and I beg that this sermon penetrates our hearts. And for some of us, I hope it might be the first time that we hear this and I hope it opens up our hearts to a a whole new life. Well, as I know that there are many of us, we need this to penetrate our hearts, to change our hearts. Be with this. Let your words be my words. Let me be able to say them the way that you want them to be heard. We ask this in your name. Amen. I label this sermon, Talking or Walking. Yep, that's the country bumpkin in me. You've heard it said, if you talk the talk, you better be able to walk the... Wow, y'all are real excited tonight. Love it. Some of us in here, we have a lot of talk, right? Some of us in here, I know that we're excited about that half marathon that we've signed up for whenever that is, right? And when I say, well, can you really run a half marathon 13.1 miles? I sure can. And you go out the train, you go out to the track, right? And what, what is that, like 50 52, 52 laps, 52 laps you were supposed to, to run, right, around the track, and yeah, you start at that seven mile an hour pace, a pretty good pace, you're running it, about three laps in, that turns into a jog, right, and then a couple more laps in, that jog turns to a wog, right, you're walking and jogging, all right, and then that wog turns into a, a flat out walk, and then you walk to your car and go get some Brahms to to smash all your sorrows away, because Brahms gets you closer to Jesus, all right? It also might take you quicker to Jesus as well, but it definitely is good for the soul. It might not be good for the heart, all right? But your talk doesn't match what you can actually do what doesn't match your walk. Some of us in here, you say you can dunk, or you, or you were able to dunk at some time. I didn't play D one because my knee got hurt, or uh, I didn't play D. I got offers, but uh, I just decided to pursue Jesus and mechanical engineering. Whatever, bro. All right. Yeah, I could dunk. Now, if you're six foot six, two hundred pounds, you better be able to dunk, or you're not a man. All right. But when these five foot three white dudes come up to me and like, bro, I can jam it. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm not calling you out. I want to see that 47 inch vertical. I've never seen that in real life. Like, show me. We're going after crossover and go to, to a gymnasium with basketball like goals. I want to see this. I'm taking video. We'll put it on crossover. Like Instagram, we'll make you Insta famous, bro. All right? But let's be honest. Some of us in here, we say one thing, but our, but our walk and what we actually do doesn't actually match up. I looked at Google. I was like, what's the number one lie that everybody says? And Google said that the number one lie that people say is when asked, how are you doing? What do we say? 
we're good. We're fine. I'm fine. Great. Wonderful. Then you go home and, and you're sad, you're depressed, you're struggling, you're hurting. Maybe something happened and, and, and really what you feel on the inside isn't what you said that you were. Your, your talk and your walk doesn't match up. Students, my, my question to you is, how many of us in this room, if we can be honest, how many of us in this room say that we are a sold-out, God-following, God-fearing Christian? We say that. I got baptized when I was in third grade. I went to VBS. I am saved, right? I believe in Jesus. But our life does not match up with that. We got words in our mouth, but the way that we walk, the way that we talk, the way that we handle ourselves, the way that we get angry maybe, the way that maybe that we are just always the victim, maybe, maybe the way that we do Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, maybe the way that we handle ourselves, maybe the way that we do things, it does not match with the things that we say. It does, our life is not a representation of Jesus Christ. Our life is everything but that. And I believe, listen, that's the type of person that John is trying to connect with tonight. Like John is saying, like, hey, listen, like, I want to I wanna kind of shake you where you're at for just a second. I, wanna, I want you to be able to understand where you're at, and then I want to be able to take you where you need to be. I, I think you need to realize that sin should not have dominion over your life. The Savior should. And when you say that you're a believer, then the walk that you should walk should reflect your salvation. It shouldn't reflect your sinful nature. Like, your talk should be proved by your walk. Amen? Like, our words should say, should say how much we love Jesus, and our actions should prove how much we love Jesus. I just want to ask, like, how many of us are tired of living that lie? Like, we feel conviction about saying one thing and being another. We're, we're saying we're sold out for Jesus, but, but we're dead inside. We're saying that we live for Jesus, yet our lives look nothing like Him. Like, we know that we're missing the mark. How many of us are tired of being in such a distant proximity away from Jesus and we know that our inward desire, deep down in our soul, in our hearts, we want to be with Jesus. And we're tired of it. We're tired of being that far away because of our own actions. This is what I love about John, though. He's lovingly direct, as I said last week. He's direct in the fact that he's like, hey, listen, look at where you're at. Look at who you are. Look at what you do. And let's not have any excuses about it because that's who you are. But then he's loving. Because he's not, he's not shaming you for being where you're at. He's not kicking you while you're down. He's actually then turning it on, on a dime. And he's saying, but we have a loving father. And, and we have some ways that we can change some things. It's not kick you while you're down. It's like, hey, let's bring you up. And he wants to be able to bring you to the place where you want to change and you want to grow to be like Jesus. He is saying if your walk isn't reflective to your talk, 
you need to know something. And I think many of us in here need to know this, is like, is that, is that we're lying to not only everybody else, but we're lying to ourselves. And here's the scary part about this, students. Like, like, like think rationally with me. If you are believing this lie now, that I'm a sold-out, God-following, Jesus is my Savior person now, and, and you're believing this lie now, how much worse is it going to be 10 years from now? Like how many of us right now, we, are, we had told a lie two years ago that has become our truth. Anybody with me? Like, like you, you told this lie two years ago and um, you, you, you maybe fibbed some things and, and you realize like now you're like, well, I know that this is a lie, but I don't remember exactly what the truth is. And the more you tell it and the more you share it, the more that that lie becomes your truth and, and you don't know the difference between what is the lie and what isn't the lie. Listen, students. John is like, listen, no, no, no. I want you to know something. I want you to evaluate where you are. And this is what John's going to do. I got two points tonight. John is going to expose our walk. He's going to expose where we are at. And then he is going to help our walk. So how does John expose our walk? Verses 3 and 4. And by this we know that we cannot, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says that I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. See, John is hurting to a a hurting congregation. We don't know exactly where the church is at, but we do know this, is that they are going under some hardships, and, and they are struggling with some things, and they're having to make some hard decisions. And, 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 I, know, I, and I know why they are going through some hard things. Like, this, this church is still an infant church. This church is still young in their faith, still trying to figure some things out in this world. And what's happening You ready for this? They got the church, and then there's everyone else. Everybody say everyone else. Everyone else. Everyone else in their jobs. Everyone else maybe in their homes. Everyone else in their society, in their town. Everyone else. It's them, and then it's everyone else. But everyone else talks how they want. Walks how they want, dresses how they want, live how they want, do what they want, how they want, when they want, why they want. They have them and then they have everyone else living how they want. And these people of God have to decide, am I going to continue my faith and my relationship with Jesus and walk according to what he wants me to walk? Or am I going to fall back and am I going to follow the ways of the world? It says that John is preaching to combat some of these false teachers who were preaching a different message that Jesus and his apostles taught. Now, I don't know the exact verbiage. I don't know exactly how, uh, exactly what they were proclaiming. I don't know exactly the words that they said. But I do know the idea. 
Like, I do know that the devil is using these pastors and these false prophets to do one thing. And it's just a little, it's just a little something. It's a little thing to just stray them off of the, just the, the, the narrow path. And it's really, he, he tries to make this one thing with these false prophets is this. Is how do we dull the blade of Scripture that these people don't feel like they're losing their, their total identity in themselves, but they also don't feel like they're losing Jesus either. Because the devil knows that he can't just come in and say, well, quit following Jesus and then, and then walk the ways of this world. He knows that he can't get this that way. But he can dull the blade of the Scripture in our life to where we start letting things slide. See, Scripture is, is as sharp as a two-edged sword. It is supposed to be black and white. It's supposed to be clear as day what the Scripture is supposed to say. And if he can dull that blade just a little bit, then we can start letting things slide. Well, well, really, you know, the Bible says this way, but we could take it this way. You know, the Bible says it this way, but we might not have this understanding, and I'm going to live this way. And if he can get just a little bend in our life now, with compound interest over year after year after year after year, we are farther away from Christ than we had ever imagined. And John realizes the only way that they're going to be able to dull the blade of the Scripture in our life is for them to not realize and understand the destruction of sin in their life. The more that you allow sin in your life, the more that that blade becomes dull, and the more that you allow sin in your life, the more that you will not be able to grip the loving kindness of our Savior and be able to understand it and walk in it and let it free you from so many things. And listen, and when sin has lost its stench, in your nose, because you have become accustomed to it, listen, it can start then voiding out the sweet aroma of Jesus in your life. And the stench of sin just becomes accustomed, and, and the sweet aroma of Jesus is pushed out. You know, when I was in college, I had some buddies who found a niche in the market, on, and they were going to jump on it on how to get a couple extra funds in the bank account. And it was for ball pythons. No lie. They realized that they could buy ball pythons and breed them. Yes, that is country as you can get, right? And my buddy bought 30 ball pythons, got the full rack set up, 30, 30 individual spaces, and he was going and he was breeding these ball pythons. Um, and now with that. Well, you got to feed these ball pythons, right? So he got all these mice to feed the ball pythons. Well, then he started to realize that it's expensive to keep on buying mice. So what did he start doing? He started breeding the mice and the ball, ball pythons. And let's just say there was a lot of animals up in that house. It was in the house, okay? So if you got a lot of mice and you got a lot of snakes, you got a lot of... Um, Crap, right? Like, there's no way to say it. Like, it was a lot of just yuck. And I remember I went over to the house one day. I, I wanted to, to check what this, I mean, this dude was making like $1,500 to $2,000 a snake. 
Like, it was crazy. This dude was making bank. His house smelled like stank, though. I walk in. I'm a sensory guy. Anybody hate smells? Like, like two strong candles. You're like, man, that's Satan, right? Like, it's like, like I'm that person, all right? I will blow candles out in people's homes that I do not know. Like, I, like I'm that guy. Um, it's funny when people, they're like, how did these, all my candles get blown up? Like, you know, I don't know. Carol's like, it's him. He hates it, right? Anyways, I open the door and, oof, the stink. I mean, it was in my nostrils. Like, it was, it was horrible. And I was like, dude, how do you, and he's like, I know. He's like, come check out the stinks. And so I go over and I see him all, and he's like, look at this guy. And he hands me this big old ball python. It's kind of cool. He wraps himself around my arm, and we're talking. I was like, ah. And then he bites me, and I'm like, ah. Like, I'm trying to whip this snake around. And he's like, oh, don't. He's too expensive, right? And I'm like, well, shouldn't have bit me, right? Anyways, I'm checking the snakes out. It's pretty cool. He's like, why don't you feed one? And I got one of those mice. I held it up, and that sucker bit that thing and coiled around it. And, I mean, just literally killed it. It was awesome, right? Then ate the whole body. It was, it was marvelous, all right? Anyways, after that, we go and we uh, sit down on the couch. And we're watching TV, just kind of chilling. And it was about an hour into it. And I look over at him. And I was like, I was like, I don't smell the, the stink anymore. And he looked over at me and he goes, um, he goes, yeah, the more that you're in it, the more that your senses become adapted to it, and you actually don't smell it anymore. You get used to it. And I was like, oh, man, I need to use that someday. And God brought it back to me just a few years later, since college, right? And I was like, this is so perfect because students, listen, that is how sin is. And the more that you walk in the sin and the more that you do the sin, just think about it. Just think about the sin that's dominating your life right now. When you first started doing it, I mean, I'm just, it, it just, it, it, it shocked you. It, it, it made you feel something. It made you, it made you maybe even feel just a little gross. But the more that you started doing the sin, the more you started becoming accustomed to it and the more that you got used to it. And now it's just part of your life and it's something that you do and it's becoming something and now you're just used to the sin in your life and this is where John is like about to be loving and direct and he's saying well if you know him like you know what he has done for you you know that he is he has ripped you out of the depths of hell and has placed you in a relationship with him but you don't follow his commandments Quit lying to yourself. Quit lying to yourself that you are, you are something that you're not and, and make a change. And John exposes that. If sin has lost its potency, the stink, the sting in your life, and you continue living like everyone else, and you're not actively pursuing the commands of Jesus, then you are lying to yourself. Don't get it twisted. But he doesn't want to just leave us there, does he? John doesn't just like to, to call people up. He also likes to lift them up. 
So he doesn't just expose our walk. He also wants to help our walk. Verse 5 and 6, he says, But whoever keeps his word, in whom truly the love of God is perfected, by this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way that he, Jesus Christ, Walked. I, I love this verse because verse 5 and 6 gives us two promises. The first promise that, that should bring us hope, that should make our talk and our walk coincide and work for the same point, is simply this. If you keep his word, if you follow the word of God, you have the ability for the love of God to be perfected in you. How cool is that? Like you walk with the word of God, God can do some miraculous things in you, God can work in you, God can, God can continue to sanctify you and make you more like Jesus. If you walk in his word, man, he can do some work in you. He can, he can make his love perfected in you. That's how powerful this is. And the second promise is this, is that if you abide in him and he abides in you, then you will walk the way that he walks. That means that you will think the way he thinks. You will act the way that he acts. So how do we do these two things? How do we, how do we keep the word? How do, we, how do we live in the word of God? Well, I think first and foremost, we need to memorize the word. Anybody need to memorize more scripture? Cool, 17 of you, yes, right? Now, how many of us know a lot of the Morgan Wallen songs? Anybody? Awesome, okay. I think I asked Taylor Swift one time, how many people know Taylor Swift songs? Right, okay. How many of y'all know Romans 12 too? Oof, okay. Look it up. It should be pivotal, all right? Some of you are like, gosh, I hate this dude. Gosh. Don't hate me. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you. Come on now. Tattoo it. Where am I at? Here we are. We got to memorize it. I know it. You got to read it, memorize it, live it. But I would say on a more personal note, if you're, if you're keeping God's word and you're doing his commandments, when, this, when you're doing this, I believe that this is, this is when it becomes pivotal. This is when you know that, that you're doing it the way that God has intended you to live in the word of God. Is when, when the Bible becomes a blessing rather than a burden. Like you know that you're living in the word when, the right way when the Bible becomes a blessing rather than a burden. When you realize and you feel in your heart and you are true to yourself that, that, that you get to read the word of God. You have the privilege to read the word of God. You are excited to read the word of God and apply the word of God to your life and it's a privilege. It's not just a responsibility. It's not just something that you have to do or you feel guilty of. It's not something that you have to do to get your check mark in. It's something that you're excited to 
do. And the Word of God is the bread of God for your life. And the Word of God is transforming your life. And it's giving you life. It's breathing into your life in such a real way. Now listen, I know some of you this is going to be very difficult for. Because you're going to have to cut some things away in your life in order to sit down, be quiet, be still, and to read the Word of God. And I promise you, it's a discipline. It's a discipline that you have to, to, to make in your life. And it will. It, it might be a routine for some of you at first. It might be, all right, Lord, like, like I got to do this, all right? Help me, help me get this. Help me apply this to my life. And listen, I promise you. Like the more you do it and the more you're true to it and the more that you allow it in your life, it will transform who you are. When the Bible becomes a non-negotiable in your life, at that point in your life when the Bible and the things in the Bible become non-negotiable, that is a time it shows God that he is a non-negotiable in your life and that's when exciting things start to happen. That's when growth starts to happen. That's when you get to know God's thoughts. That's when you get to know his promises. You get to know God's rewards. Like how many of us even think about the rewards of God's? You get to know God's behavior. If you want to know God, then you have to know God's word to be able to know God. So many of us are like, what do I want to, like, what should I do next? Like, know God's word. Like, what, how do I get closer to God? Know God's word. How do I whatever question, know God's word. How do I get a girlfriend? Like, know God's word, right? Like, how do I know how to marry? Know God's word, right? Everything hangs on God's word. But then it says something else, that we have to abide in him. And what that means in modern day language is simply this. You need to hang out with Jesus. And there's there's no way that if you hang out with Jesus that his character <clears throat> doesn't rub off on you. And when his character rubs on off you, you, you start walking the way that he walked, thinking the way that he thinks. And what I've also learned is that you can't, you can't do one of these without the other. You, it's impossible to make uh, the word of God a non-negotiable and make abiding with Jesus optional. And vice versa, you can't make abiding in Jesus non-negotiable if you make living the word optional. You have to have both. They both have to be pivotal. They both play off of one another. Now my question is simply this for you is you need to ask yourself like, how am I abiding with Christ right now? Like, like let this expose maybe you a little bit. Like, how are you hanging out with Jesus right now? How much time are you taking in your life to grow and to know and to communicate with Jesus? Not just in moments. Not just in moments, but in times that, 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 that are long periods of times, that are, that are days, like like. How are you spending time with Jesus? I love how one person says is, is that we have to remain in Jesus. How do you remain in Jesus? What does it look like for you? 
What would, what would it look like for you to, to prepare your mind and your heart and your spirit before you ever walk out the door in the morning? Like you get into his word and, and you try to memorize some of it and you try to prepare and then, and, then, and then you bring Jesus into the room with you and like, Jesus, I'm talking to you. Jesus, I want to try this thing. I want to grow with you. I want to be able to uh, feel you, feel your presence. I want to be in your presence all day today. I want you there right beside me all day. And then you start walking. And you start talking to Jesus in every situation. And what happens when you do this is that you face the world in a whole different way. And you start facing the world and, and, and you, you allow Jesus to be present in every circumstance and you realize something, that the circumstance that you're facing doesn't define the relationship that you have with Jesus, but the relationship with Jesus you have defines the circumstance that you're going through. And maybe something hard happens, I got Jesus there. Man, Jesus help me. And it gives you a moment of pause Whatever's going on, maybe it's a bad grade, maybe it's a breakup, maybe it's a bad phone call, maybe it's something tragic, I don't know what it is, but when you got Jesus in your presence, when you are abiding with him, when you are hanging out with him, when he is in the conversation, it gives you a moment of pause to be able to say, Jesus, what, like, how would you handle this? How, I know you're here. You know what? I know you're my strength. I know you're my shield. I know that I can come to you. I can cast all my burdens, all my hardships on you. And you're able to define that circumstance as something different because you got Jesus in the equation with you. Abide in Jesus. Bring him into the conversations. Bring him into your thoughts. How well do you think about yourself? I'm not going to think about myself that way because I'm a child of the king. I'm going to have forever with Jesus. He died for me. He, he bled for me. He loves me. Maybe this person doesn't love me, but Jesus sure does. Bring the Father into the room with you. Students, abiding in Christ stops when you decide to ignore his presence and you either act in your weakness or you act in your pride. Abiding with Jesus stops when you decide to ignore his presence. And how many of us allow to, like, allow our pride to penetrate through abiding with Jesus and and, and something happens and, and we shut the door on him and we turn our back on him and we just do life the way that we want to do. We, we, we want to act this prideful way. We want to do this simple thing and we turn our back on Jesus. That's when abiding in, with Jesus stops. Students, what if tomorrow, what if you try to wake up and you get in this presence in the morning and you make it a priority to keep his presence in your midst throughout the day. And before every word that you say, you know Jesus is there. Before every action you do, you know that the Lord is there and he loves you. And he's either there to help you or to show you another way. Students, we are just, I just want to know, are we just talking about our faith or are we actually living it? And I think that if we are abiding with Christ, 
I think that we are able to penetrate the life that we live because we know Jesus is in the room. And if temptation comes our way, we're able to say no to temptation, A, because we know that God is holding us accountable to things and God is there, but also God, our loving Father, is there and he's saying, hey, you know what? There's another way that I got something better for you than what you have here. And you know what? I, and, and I hope some of you felt this. When you can walk away from a temptation and you know that you've made Jesus happy. Anybody with me? And you walked away from that temptation. You walked away from your cell phone. You walked away from that, that other person. You walked away from that substance. And you're like, and Jesus is like, I got something better for you. And you feel great about it. And you keep on walking like, man, this feels great. I need to do this more often. Students, abide in Jesus, keep him in your presence. It'll change your life. So students, tonight, are we just talking about our faith in Jesus, or does our walk match our faith in Jesus? I hope uh, if our walk was exposed tonight, I hope that, uh, I hope and pray that we don't feel like we are discouraged, and I know that was not James' main intention on making those who are struggling in the gray area right now. I know that he doesn't want them to feel defeated and discouraged. I hope that you can see John saying that there's something greater for you if that sin doesn't abound anymore in your life and sin could never fill this void in your life. It could never compete with being close to Christ. He literally died for it. He died to have closeness with you. Don't try to compete with it. Don't let sin even try to compete. It will never fulfill you the way that Christ will. But you will never have closeness with Jesus in your life if Scripture is being doled down. And you're still trying to walk in sin, and then you're also still going to try to walk in the ways of Jesus. Don't believe the lie. It's only going to take you farther away. Instead, choose Jesus and let his word and his commandments just change your life. Let it be a non-negotiable in your life. Don't shut him up. Don't shut him out. Let him be there to help define your circumstances and help you in times of need and be there to laugh with you, be there to encourage you, be there when things are funny, be there when things are hard. And I'm telling you, it will change your life. As we, as we close, I want you to remember one thing. How close you want to be with Jesus will be dictated how much of his word and how much of his presence you allow to be in your life.